Well, it's been a tumultuous couple of days for Brooklyn Nets fans, and I can't think of a better reason to bring on a Brooklyn Nets fan to this week's episode of Full Court Press. Jordan Leonard, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. It's been, it's been a hell of a week, let's just say that. <laughs> oh, that is an understatement, my friend. We'll give you the applause now. There we go. <laughs> thank you, thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. We begin today, as you might have predicted, given how we opened, with Kevin Durant, the multiple-time All-Star, MVP, two-time Finals MVP, has requested a trade out of Brooklyn. Jordan, obviously you're a Nets fan, so there's a lot to take in, but the thing that has struck me the most over the past you know, week-ish since this has happened is that the market for him has changed dramatically thanks in large part to a trade we'll break down in even more later yeah I mean I thought there was going to be more of a market initially um but as a net like as the nets are as a franchise they're not going to trade them unless they get the massive haul like the biggest trade in NBA history because it's the first time that a top five player of his caliber who's seven foot can shoot at all three levels goes on the market with four years left on his contract, usually if he goes on the market, it's, it's with a two years or one year left on a, or an expiring deal. So this is a pretty much historic time for a guy to go on the market. And I, I'm not shocked that there hasn't been that much. Um, like there's been rumors left and right from Woj and Windhorse and Shams and whatever. And then that Gobert trade complicated it because it basically just raised the baseline price everyone thought it was going to have to take. Um, but I think eventually it'll get done. But I'm, I'm low-key, I think the Nets should hold on to him um, for the year because I don't think they're going to get that offer that actually um, like would be comp- compensation for where he's at with his contract and, and playing career. Yeah, that's the trade-off because let's look at a team like the Timberwolves. The Nets were asking for Cat, yeah. Anthony oh. Edwards, and four first-round picks. I would have that taken that deal because I was Brooklyn in a minute. That would have been an absolute steal, Yeah, I think. It's, it's unbelievable how much this guy is, going, is commanding on the open market right now. And I think that the whole – Go bear trade, which we'll break down even further in a minute, just complicates things that much more. Now, let's look at why he requested this trade. Is this the greatest failure in NBA history? You, reun- you bring three of the biggest stars in the league, in the league's modern era, and KD, Kyrie, and Harden together, all that to win just one playoff series. One playoff series. That's absolutely bonkers and obviously the great what if is what if Katie's foot was you know a few inches smaller then chances are Brooklyn is back-to-back champions right now but that's just not the world we live in right now plain and simple and the fact that this blew up so quickly is absolutely remarkable yeah it's been literally I three years ago to the day Katie requested the trade I remember that that day pretty vividly I was we were hosting a barbecue and I I, I got an alert that the Nets signed KD and Kyrie so we didn't have to give up anything we we're just paying them to come to our team and it was, it was at a time where we had such a good young core and then when we traded for Harden I was so skeptical 
Because it was like, okay, we're getting hard, but we're getting rid of literally all the good, pl- like the players that we loved watching for the last couple of years. I, I would, I would say it's, it's definitely one of the biggest failures and quick failures that we've seen in a while because it deteriorated very, very fast. We got Harden midway through, not this past season, but the last year, and then, okay, I don't, I don't blame Katie's foot. I just blame injuries, Kyrie. And- and Harden were injured throughout the entire series. It wouldn't probably have gone to a game seven um, if it if they if they weren't. I was at the game where the Nets won by fifty. So I think if they were all healthy, we would have won that series in less than seven. Um, but I can't be more than just a failure. Part and I blame everything on Kyrie because not getting the vaccine and not being a teammate. I understand it. He has an option or uh, and a personal choice for the stance, but. That 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 is if Kyrie comes to work, gets the vaccine, and plays all 82, I say James Harden is still on the team. And then you can argue whatever you want that the Nets would the Nets would be in the playoffs. Hopefully, you know you think as a one seed, but you never know. And then they they and 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 low and we would we would have re-signed James Harden by now. Probably would have extended Kyrie because that's what Sean Marks said at the beginning of the year, and we've just come so far and such a disaster it's just so embarrassing i agree with you about most of the blame being put on Kyrie, but does some of this not fall on steve nash i mean he has completely lost that locker room kevin durant and Kyrie irving james harden as well none of them have enjoyed playing for him so do you think that has anything to do with it because i mean at this point we we've seen what a good coach can do to mesh a court together i point to the guys up north with Ime udoko and the celtics yeah, and Ime was an assistant coach for us, which is kind of so funny because that we let him go to you guys. But I, I mean, I would blame Steve Nash to an extent. Like he, I don't necessarily think he was the best hire, but he was the hire Kyrie and and Kevin Durant signed off on. So the fact that Kyrie's lost respect for the coach that he signed off on halfway through the season is kind of stupid to me. Uh, they got they ran Kenny Atkinson out of town, who was one of the more accomplished Nets head coaches. In, in recent history because the Nets haven't been good since the early 2000s. So I, I don't blame Steve Nash that much because he was the coach that got picked by Kevin Durant and Kyrie to, to do that. And he's a first-time head coach, so blending personalities, especially Kyrie Irving, is, is definitely hard. And it ran Brad Stevens pretty much crazy in Boston to going into the front office early, and he was a good coach. So I, I can't blame Steve Nash that much, but – um obviously he didn't do enough of his job as a head coach well we've been talking about Kyrie it feels like a good time to sort of bring in his trade sort of rumors and a lot what has apparently been in the cards is a Kyrie Westbrook swap where Kyrie goes to LA and reunites with LeBron James and Westbrook goes to Brooklyn where for now he'd be with Kevin Durant so First of all, I am dying to see this happen because I, I would love to see KD and Westbrook play together again. But if this trade goes through, Jordan, I think it's a negative for both sides. I think it's – as a Nets fan, it, the fact that they're even talking about rumors of this straight-up trade going on is absolutely insane because, yeah, you get rid of Kyrie, you bring in Russell Westbrook, he plays, but he can't shoot necessarily – He's a good player, but he's $11 million more than Kyrie, and we're already over the cap, so that would be a $50 million luxury tax charge on top of the $11 million in added salary. 
it doesn't make sense salarized. They talk about throwing Joe Harris in the trade too, but why we'll would you take trade, him? We'll take him. Why would you trade Joe Harris and Kyrie Irving? Joe Harris, one of the best three point percentage shooters of, of his era and all time. Why would you trade both of those guys for Russell Westbrook? It, it just doesn't make sense. You'd have to get a third team in there to actually make sense, get somebody in return and send Russell Westbrook somewhere else. They were talking about the Spurs because they can take on cap and they're not, if you trade for Russell Westbrook, you're going to trade Kevin Durant because you're not playing both of them on the same team and you're not taking the $50 million in luxury tax for, for that man. I, oh, why wouldn't you? The drama of Westbrook and KD playing again would be unbelievable. I find it, I find it fascinating that LeBron has been pushing so hard for Kyrie to come back because we all remember how disappointed LeBron was when Kyrie – requested that trade a few years ago. We all remember how Kyrie said he wanted to be a focal point of a team. He tried to be the focal point. It went up in flames. <laughs> and now he has resorted to playing. He'd be the third fiddle with Los Angeles. So, I mean, being the Boston fan that I am, I'm obviously going to hate Kyrie. Being the NBA fan that I am, I am – Rooting for chaos, not in outside of Boston. The more chaos there is, the better chance Boston has of winning, make, making a deep run. And, you know, the fact that Brooklyn, one of their main competitors, has been imploding is fantastic news. The fewer teams there are out west, the better. Yeah, I mean, I... I don't know what's I don't know what Brooklyn's gonna do. I think they're I think I, I trust Sean Marks. He literally brought us up from that terrible trade with the Boston Celtics where you guys ended up getting Tatum and and uh, Jalen Brown with our picks when we traded for Kevin Garnett. He brought us back up from the depths of failure from that. So I, I trust him. I don't think it's there's the trades are gonna be made very soon. I think it's gonna be waiting out. I wouldn't be shocked if we wait if we try to wait until training camp and then I would call Kyrie not showing up, but I don't, I don't think Kevin Durant has the guts not to show up. I think he likes basketball too much. Interesting. That's, that's interesting. Having because we traded for Royce O'Neal. We traded, I mean, we signed TJ Warren. We signed Edmund Sumner. We re-signed uh, Mills and, and Claxton. Those are moves that you, you make for a contender. It's not like you're trading Kevin Durant and Kyrie to rebuild with those moves. They, they make good moves. The only question is, will they be enough to keep – Mr. Kevin Durant, happy. All right. Rudy Gobert was shipped from the Utah Jazz, the Minnesota Timberwolves, for a package including five players, three first-round picks, as well as a pick swap or two, unless I'm mistaken. Yep. One of the largest overhauls we have seen for a player in league history. The upside is that the Timberwolves now have arguably the best big man duo the league has ever seen since Walton and Parrish in the 80s. The bad news is they sacrificed their short, their long-term future, period. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I, it's, the amount of stuff that they gave up to him is crazy. Uh, the fact that they gave up four firsts and a pick swap and the first round pick that they drafted this year, a seven footer out of, out of Auburn, who's a, a shot blocker um walker kessler um i just like it makes sense because they're they're trying to make a move and it's it's under new ownership i was listening to the radio the other day 
and and they talk about how new ownership always tries to make a splash like right. steve cohen with the mets is an example so they're trying to make a splash and i and i kind of like the deal like if you look at the roster for the Tim Wolves to having, they want to play Carl Anthony Towns as a power forward. So now they can they have Gobert at center. I just don't know how they gave up that much player wise on top of the picks. If they gave up like three of those or five players and then the picks, it would kind of, I guess, make more sense. Like you keep Patrick Beverly or something like that, who's still a guard that could play defense. Um, but the fact that they gave up that massive haul for Rudy Gobert, who's a seven foot center who, just doesn't shoot on offense. He's a pick and roll offensive dunker, and he's one of the best defensive centers. Well, I'm not sure the Timberwolves want Patrick Beverly anymore, given how he acted after that play and win. So <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But yeah, like you said, Gilbert is not exactly a typical NBA or modern day NBA center in that he's an old school big man. He does a fantastic job inside the perimeter. He can block the heck out of the basketball. And he can dunk, but he has zero outside game. Yeah. If you look at if you look at the trade and and you think about as a team, you have to go compete against the Warriors and Memphis, two teams that are guard dominated. Um, I don't see how the move makes sense because Rudy Gobert is not going to guard John Morant. Rudy Gobert is not going to guard Steph Curry. What is he going to guard? Kevon Looney? Like that doesn't do anything for your defense against the two best scorers and the two best in my opinion, best teams in the West from last year. It, it just doesn't make sense overall. No, it may, doesn't really make any sense. But the fact of the matter is that now Carl Anthony Towns has more freedom to stretch his game a little bit. Now the defensive pressure is on him and Edwards and D'Angelo Russell. But <laughs> at the same time, they're, they are betting big time on Edwards continuing to grow and Towns re-signing in a few years. So – if this all blows up, it could go down as one of the – it could go up there with the 2013 Nets Celtics trade is among the worst in NBA history. Well, you know, Danny Age is the, uh, the GM Ainge of the Jazz. The GM. He, he is the GM of the Jazz. He's, he's, he's good at uh, thrifting people out of, of a bunch of freaking picks. Holy crap. <laughs> that is what Danny Age does. He, he stocks up on picks for the – in the long run, so that a few years from now, they can be really good. I mean, stocking up on picks for a super long time didn't really work out because ever since Robert Williams, the Celtics have not had a first-rounder really pan out. But at the same time, it's an effective strategy. Yeah, I mean, you got the picks. It's like the Jets. It's like my New York Jets this year. You have the picks, now you just got to make them. And you can't, you, can't do it. You, can't, you can't do anything if you don't make the right pick. Jets so. making all those picks just to go four and thirteen again. Okay, now that we're talking about football, Baker Mayfield finally out of Cleveland, <laughs> been traded to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for a draft pick, and it's Cleveland at Carolina in Week One. If that isn't must see TV, Jordan, I don't know what is. It definitely is. I was looking at the NFL memes account. It said that the Cleveland Browns are paying Baker Mayfield five hundred fifty-five thousand dollars to try and beat them in Week One. Um, I mean, if you're the Browns, I, I guess I get it. Like you're trying to offload his salary, but just for a conditional fifth is, is actually kind of laughable considering he was a first overall pick and he brought him to the playoffs not only two years ago. 
And then you look at what the Jets got for Sam Darnold, trading him to the exact same team. They got a second, a fourth, and a sixth, and they only got a fifth for Baker. And they have to pay $10 million of his salary. It, it's just kind of funny how they're literally just shipping him off to the first location that would take him for the least amount just to get him off their team. First of all, I'll start with Cleveland. Now that they don't have Baker, their quarterback situation could be very, very dicey in a heap of time. Because Deshaun Watson should be suspended for two for one year minimum. I think he personally should get two if we're following it off of Trevor Bauer, but one year absolute minimum. So if we're going to just assume he's out for the year, that leaves you with Jacoby Brissett in the short run. And... <laughs> uh, uh, that instantly makes Cleveland the fourth place team in the AFC, AFC North. I think they're pretty content with Jacoby Brissett. Though. I don't know why they would be. Jacoby Brissett hasn't done anything since beating the Houston Texans 27 nothing in week three. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be content with jo- Jacoby Brissett, but I think the Browns looked at it as Baker's already like, I'm out because we traded for Deshaun. And and they would have had, and he said the, the Browns need to come begging and crawling for him to come back and play. <laughs> um, but I don't know why they're content with Joe Kobe Brissett because if Deshaun Watson doesn't get suspended for a year, that's absolute. That's an absolute travesty in my opinion. And they just got pennies on the dollar for a former overall number one pick. No matter how bad he played last year, he played injured. Um, and he brought the team to the first playoffs they had since the, I think, what, the early Not only did he lead them to the playoffs, he led them to a win in the playoffs. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers. (laughs) Against their biggest rival, too. So, I don't know what more Cleveland fans wanted out of him, but in terms of now for Carolina, I think I like the move. It's a clear upgrade over, what's his face? Sammy Darnold. Sammy Darnold, yeah. (laughs) Wow. So irrelevant, I forgot his name. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> and, I mean, I think that if they play to their potential, they can make a run at one of the last wild card spots. I mean, Baker Mayfield is automatically the second-best quarterback in their division, so he has a chance. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mind the move for, for Carolina. They're not paying half his salary, so they're only paying him $5 million. I could see them doing a, a quarterback competition in training camp because he's coming in in July, but eventually – um, Baker Mayfield will have the job and he's not a bad quarterback he played better in Cleveland with worse wide receivers if you think about it, he played worse with Odell Beckham on the field so he doesn't need a great wide receiver to to be good and he has Christian McCaffrey if you looked at Darnold the first like four games he played pretty good because literally all he did was dump it to Christian McCaffrey and McCaffrey got like 10 yards after the catch or 10 yards after contact that's how that's the thing with Carolina though can Christian McCaffrey stay healthy? Their defense is going to be good. So if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy, they should definitely be in contention for that third wild card spot. They absolutely should. All right. One of the sadder stories of the week on Thursday, Rafael Nadal had to drop out of the Wimbledon semifinals due to an abdominal strain, forcing the least liked player in the entire circuit, <laughs> Nick Kyrgios, to advance to the final on a draw. Good God. Yeah. And now tomorrow, the championship is Nick Kyrgios versus Novak Djokovic, arguably the two most dislikable figures in the sport right now. So we'll put, we'll put that to the side for the moment. I'm really, really sad for Nadal because what he was trying to pursue is something that hasn't been done since Rod LaRue did it, pursue that yeah. founder Grand Slam. 
It, it's sad because he still had the calendar slam in it. And he and he said in his press conference that if he only had one match left, that he probably would go for it. Um, but the fact that he has to win two, uh, and he had to battle against the American Taylor Fritz, which I, th- which I think didn't help either. No, because no. he had to go five sets against Fritz and then had to come back play two days later with, I guess, a torn a tear in his, his muscle in his abdomen. It, it's pretty sad because he's the most. He was other than Fritz, I guess, because the American playing in the quarters. He was the most likable. Like, other, I guess you could say Cam Norrie's the second was the second most likable guy left. But nobody's rooting for Djokovic or or Kyrgios. Kyrgios, I could I guess root for a little bit more than Djokovic because Djokovic is just ugh, Djokovic. <laughs> but but I have you seen the video of Kyrgios uh, the on the day before Nadal, like the day Nadal withdrew that day in practice, you know, him hitting with a fan. He's hitting like lob shots, rallying with a fan because you know he doesn't have a coach. Right. That just shows you how seriously he takes tennis. And you, 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 and he's quote unquote practicing for a, a Wimbledon semi by hitting lob shots with a, a fan. Shows you how seriously he takes tennis. It's uh, Nick Curios is the defi- Nick Curios is the definition of a jerk. I mean, the way he behaves on the court is just yeah, plain unacceptable. But I, I mean, wish there was a rule that allowed Taylor Fritz to play on one day. Yeah, me too. Because definitely. Fritz played his heart out. He he came this close to beating Nadal, who, as of right now, is the greatest player of all time. Now, looking at, I mean, obviously, how can you not feel sad for Nadal? I mean, it's just, it's heartbreaking because I've watched the fifth set of that match with Fritz. Both those guys wanted it badly, man. And yeah. I badly. But now you look ahead, Djokovic and Kyrgios in the title. If Djokovic wins, that pulls him to within one grand slam of Nadal. Here's what Rafa has working for him. Djokovic can't come to the U.S. Can Djokovic, he, though? No, he can't. I don't, Due to vac- that, that'll due be vaccine, interesting. Vaccine rules are not going to allow Djokovic into the U.S., even though they got him into Wimbledon and the French Open, funny enough. And I think they got him into Wimbledon because he's a defending champ. Otherwise, England would have said no. Um, but it'll be – I don't know. I mean, maybe – I don't know the exact vaccine rules, but – I don't know. I think they. I think he might wiggle his way in through the court system if they do deny him. Hmm. Uh, only, only time will tell. I mean, I mean, I'm hope. I'm really hoping Nadal is ready to play by two months from now when the U.S. Open starts because it would be a shame if he couldn't. I think he will be because I think that's one of the reasons he did back out too is because he he mentioned in his press conference that he still wants to play his regular schedule. And that if he backs out now and doesn't like re-injure it, that he should be healthy to play full-on tennis in like three weeks. Yeah, so, and that's, right. that's the thing too. Nadal is also a better, play, a better hardcore player than he is grass, where Djokovic yeah. has absolutely owned him for years. And Nadal just won the Australian Open, the last major to be played on hard court. So you got a shot. Yeah, it should be fun. I'm definitely more of a Nadal fan than Djokovic, just by sheer fact. <laughs> oh well there's no shame in that All right, hard, I, want can't. About, I want to talk about Shohei Otani because over the last few weeks I can't even <laughs> put into words what this man has been doing for baseball I don't remember what the exact stat is but I believe he has in the last few weeks he's 
hit six home runs while giving up none. It's some crazy stat yeah. like that that I can't hold in my last head right four, now. But last four starts, no earned runs. Last four starts, no earned runs, and he's absolutely destroying the baseball right now. He became the first player in MLB history the other day to record 10 strikeouts, two RBs, and a stolen base in the same game. Damn. I mean, how can you not love this guy? What he's doing is unbelievable. And he's so humble about it. He's not like he's not like all in the media talking about all how good he is. I, it's just it's insane because he just comes out and throws a hundred, striking out everybody, and and then just plays every single day as DH or in the outfield. He doesn't really take a day off. It's unfortunate that he plays for the Angels and that they've now trashed into non-playoff contention. But he's outshining Mike Trout, like in my opinion. You can't you can't tell me that Mike Trout is, is the best player on the Angels anymore. Wow, I mean, that is that is saying an awful lot because – and I was listening to Sports Talk Radio, I think it was last night. Shohei Otani could become the first player in the majors to sign a contract with a five as the first digit. I wouldn't and, be shocked. It probably would be with the Mets too. It's, it's, it's exciting. No, <laughs> Billy Epler no, got, no. Him, got him from um, – Got him from overseas to to the Angels, and now he's the Mets GM. I'm just preparing for two years from to the, from free agency. I, I'm ready. I'm ready for that day when the Mets when the Mets sign him to a 500 million dollar deal because he literally just pitches every fifth day, and he's as good as any pitcher in the league. I mean, you, look at the, you look at the and we'll get to the All Star a little bit later, but you look at the All Star. He could easily he's starting DH over Jordan Alvarez, who's also a beast. And then he also could be the starting pitcher on the AL roster, too. It's, it's insane. It wouldn't surprise me one bit, and it'd be the same shit year that's happened, too, where he starts as DH and then is the starting pitcher as well. I mean, this man literally had a rule created, tailor-made <laughs> to him. The Otani rule. The Otani rule. I mean, how can you not love this guy? How are you not dying to have this guy on your team? Yes, he's going to command at least 500 mil in the open market a few years from now. But, oh, my God. He's, so, he's the person that gets people in the seats. I think, I think he might be the biggest star in North American professional sports right now. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, some Yankees fans would say Aaron Judge, but you can't really. I mean, you. you yeah, when Aaron Judge has an ERA under two and a half, yeah. talking to them. Well, that's, that's the point. I mean, he's hitting with all the big bats, and then he's also throwing under two and a half ERA. It's like you can't not take into account both when comparing because you can't compare anybody. Nobody does that right now. Yep, Nobody plays both. That, that's why Otani got the nudge over out the bump over Alvarez. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, – it's, I mean, they were, it's like talking about the MVP race. Judge is having this amazing year, but – I mean, nobody's going to compare to Otani, who has a sub two half ERA and also up there with home runs. And I, I'm pretty sure RBIs in the AL too. It's he's, he's insane. We've, we haven't seen anything like it since like Babe Ruth and, and oh. none of us were alive for Babe Ruth. So we'll get into the remainder of the all-star teams in a moment, but I want to talk about what Chris Sale did in Woodstock <laughs> tonight after his minor league rehab start, hopefully his last one in which he threw three and two-thirds innings, allowed five hits, five walks, and one earned run. See, my dog is barking over the atrocity of those five walks. <laughs> he had the audacity to go into the Worcester Clubhouse and smash a TV. Great that it was already broken, but 
that behavior, Jordan, is absolutely juvenile. Yeah, it's it's like um, Amari Stoudemire punching the glass after a game with the Knicks where he breaks his hand. That's that's what I I mean. How do you, as a pitcher, where your hands are are what you use to throw the ball? How are you breaking a TV after a rehab start? I mean, come on, Chris Sale's been a Cy Young potential pitcher for years now. What you give up? What you five walks in a, in a rehab start? You're gonna get so mad. Um, I mean, I guess it shows his tenacity for the game, but it's just, it was just, oh, Chris, come on. And I, I sent you a TikTok about it. I'm pretty yes, sure it's like the interview where he's like, I've been told to go down in the tunnel. And that's what I did. And he ordered him a new TV. But I, the fact that it was caught on video of him act, like literally destroying that piece of equipment, like beyond belief. Yeah. What kind of a role model is he to all the young players in Worcester that are playing their butts off night in and night out to get to the major league level? What does it, that show? It is Nothing. a horrible look. And, you know, Chris Sale is, is also unvaccinated, by the way, so that's another problem. Ever since this dude signed a five-year, $150 million contract extension in 2019, he hasn't pitched for a full season, the majority of his second season, and now he hasn't pitched this year either. So that contract extension looks absolutely terrible. And those actions in Worcester the other night only – only only marginalize them even more. Yeah. I can't state how disappointed I am. I can't state how bad of a look this is. Chris Sale, I lost a ton of respect for him the other night. Yeah, I, don't, I think I think a lot of Red Sox fans will agree with you. I, I think one thing for Boston fans is is just do it the right way, and they'll they'll like you. And and smashing a TV in the tunnel in a in a minor league facility. And I, I guess he, I get he ordered a new one, but that's still like just the the, the fact of the matter doing that is it, not going to win over fans one bit. I, I don't even know what to say, man. Chris Sale, you got a lot to figure out, pal. First thing you yeah. got to do is get the shot so you can be in Toronto the last weekend of the regular season. Then if you want to break TVs, buy one, buy, go to Best Buy, buy one, put it in your home and break it there. Don't even dare break a clubhouse TV for a triple-A team where you are technically a guest. Yeah, I I mean, you you it's like you're you've been a major leaguer. Like, who cares if you have a bad outing in triple A? You haven't pitched in so long. Like, I get, I get like you're in the game, you're competitive. Like Max Scherzer, like trances around everywhere. Like he's so in the game, but Scherzer's not gonna go break a TV when he walks five. It's not the TV's fault. Ugh. Yeah, and you can hear my dog barking in the background. He clearly not a big Chris Sale fan either. All right, so let's talk about the MLB All-Star teams really quickly because – and let me pull up the starters just to make sure I don't get anything wrong here. Uh, like we said, Alvarez not starting, Otani starting. Right choice, just going to throw it out there. All right, now, DH starters are Shohei Otani and Bryce Harper. Outfield starters in the American League, Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, and Giancarlo Stanton. First baseman are American League infield, Vladdy, Jose Altuve, Devers, Tim Anderson of the White Sox, and Alejandro Kirk of the Blue Jays. The NL outfield is Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, and Scott Peterson of the Giants coming in for his first start. And then the NL infield, Hush Dog, Trey Turner, Paul Goldschmidt, 
Jazz Chisholm Jr., stud, Manny Machado, and Wilson Contreras. All right, so first things first, I wanted Swanson at short over Turner because Turner's a jerk and Swanson's having the better year statistically. I wanted Arenado over Machado because Machado is also a jerk. But and he got hurt. Yeah, true. But I mean, but up and down the line, I mean, you can't really there's no wrong pick here, if you know what I mean. I, I feel like there's I mean, how is Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield in the AL? I know the I mean the outfield. Where's Kyle Tucker? Kyle, Kyle Tucker's batting like in the final place of voting. That's the problem because the fan vote, like, and I, and I guess the, I get they're trying to get the fans involved, but Kyle Tucker deserves to start more than Giancarlo Stanton. One, because he plays defensively in the outfield. He has one of the best arms in the game and he's batting like 280 and has as many RBIs as anybody else. Giancarlo Stanton had a, a streak where he got 11 hits over like a 20 game period and eight of them were home runs. Cause he, all he does is swing for the fences. And yes, that's good for baseball. And like, He's a he's a star, but there's no way you tell me he deserves to start in the outfield over Kyle Tucker, or and I and I, yes he didn't make it to the last part of the voting, but that's because the fans third. vote for the stars. And Vladdy Jr. is not a bad pick at first base, but if you're going by the stats this year, Ty France, Ty France, Ty France or Luis or Arias or or Arias, Arias. yeah Arias is leading the league in, in batting average with the Twins. I think those were, were fine picks at first base, too. Um, I guess Vladdy's not a terrible pick, but, again, it's the fans voting the stars into the final, and then the players have no other choice. of Because I think who it was, Ty France and or no, Ty France was the other pick for, for uh, the first base, yeah. but uh, uh, players, I guess, like Vladdy better. It's crazy to me that – the best team in the National League thus far, the Mets, has zero all-star starters. I'm not actually shocked by that because I feel like the only – I mean, I could see how Starling Marte deserves an outfield starting spot over Jock Peterson because Peterson has hit the home runs, but he hasn't been as good of a batting average hitter. And, and obviously, Starling Marte is better in the field. Right. Um, but I think the only, the only chance that we had a starter was Pete Alonso. And Paul Goldschmidt, deservedly so, got the start. 347 batting average, best OBP. He's like leads the National League in almost every category except for RBIs, which Pete leads it in. Um, and I think the Mets will get a slew of, of all-stars for reserves, and I'm totally fine with that because they didn't, I guess, they, there wasn't a clear-cut Met that deserved a starter, and you could argue that he deserved the starting spot over somebody else without a doubt. Yeah, without question. And, you know, I've never been a big proponent of fan voting. I don't think most – I hate it. it. Seriously, I mean, the fact of the matter is when you look at NBA voting a few years ago, Alex Caruso and Taco Fall were both in the top five, which <laughs> love both those guys, but they're not all-star players. I'm sorry. It's true. Yeah. So when you factor that in, as well as the interesting results of this year's MLB voting, it's just – doesn't it doesn't really pan out, you know what I mean? Also, and, the fact that Xander Bogarts is not starting at shortstop. No, Anderson, Xander Bogarts has not hit for power at all this season. So Tim Anderson got hurt for a, a decent. I feel like part of the All Star game is who performs best in the first half, and if you don't play enough games, you shouldn't be able to qualify. Yeah. Okay, I see where you're coming from, though. I do see where you're coming from. 
And the but Bogarts wasn't even in the final two. It was Bo Bichette who yeah. was not having a good season. So yeah. exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's wrap it up. The Red Sox and the Yankees are in the middle of a four-game set right now. The Worcester Red Sox have lost the first two games after throwing Josh Winkowski and Connor Siebel, two rookies as starters, and the offense just hasn't been able to keep up. And they're throwing another rookie today, Saturday, in Cutter Crawford, who will be opposed by Jordan Montgomery. Sunday, Nick Pavetta versus Jameson Tyone. I think it's a split in these last two. I don't see a way, and I don't think that the Red Sox are going to get swept in four games at Fenway Park. You can't get swept. So you got you got to find at least one of these games just for for pride reasons because you can't. A guy, I get the Yankees are really good, and and it's crazy what they're doing. But you cannot get swept in your old ballpark when it's like the biggest rival. It is the biggest rivalry in baseball. Like you can absolutely not get swept. No, you cannot get swept. Cannot. I mean. I was watching the highlights actually last night, and I can't remember the guy's right name in right field where he lost the ball in the lights. Christian Arroyo, Christian Arroyo, yeah. <laughs> I could just imagine the boss, you, but also the fans in the stadium, just because Boston fans are, are crazy people, and and they all they, it it I would it would be bad if, if Boston gets swept. The the fan base is because like they I, I they're in the wild card right now, but but you can't get swept by the Yankees. You just can't. No. I think they have a better chance with Pavetta on Sunday, though. What? Yeah, we do. Have I a- think they have a better chance with Pavetta on Sunday. I did watch the ninth inning where Jackie Bradley Jr. struck out DJ LeMahieu. That was fun. But I didn't <laughs> see that play happen live because I was working a game in Bourne. But, oh, my God. When I saw that replay, I mean, it was just <laughs> – it's so sad what's happening to this team right now. And it's not their fault, too. Four, 80% of their starting rotation is on the injured list. Yeah, uh, seriously, trust me. I, I get it as a Mets fan when you don't have when you don't have the depth of starting pitching. I mean, we we're lucky to have Taiwan Walker and Chris Bassett and Carlos Carrasco, who had a couple rough starts, is, is getting better. But it's it's hard it's hard now, especially in June and now July when the bats especially start to start hitting and games start to be more high scoring, and especially when you're facing the Yankees, it's going to be a high scoring game no matter what. Um, yeah throwing out those rookies is definitely like as I feel like as an offense like you're going out there like man we're gonna have to score five runs to win this game at least with the with two rookies going out on the mound of the first two games well Jordan it's been a lot of fun having you on my friend thanks for coming on and thanks for being willing to take that heat about the Nets of course I'm pretty disappointed too and I and I know as a Boston Celtics fan you're laughing at it um because just yeah you're you've been laughing at me since the playoffs last year when we got swept by you guys oh yeah well and for Jordan it. Leonard I'm Liam Griffin follow us on Instagram at full court press podcast and on Twitter at full CP podcast that's F-U-L-L-C-P podcast and if you want to get in Jordan's share get in contact with me we'll make it happen we'll be back <laughs> on the flip side see you next week <laughs>